I'm Russ McNamara in for Stephen Henderson on a special edition of Detroit Today. The people of the United States of America have a rebellious nature. The country was founded by war, battles against taxation without representation, injustice, and the monarchy of Great Britain. That rebellious nature also played into the invocation of states' rights in 1861, though that was less about the freedom of southern states and more about the enslavement of Africans and the enrichment of white men. It ended with over 600,000 dead Americans in that civil war. Faced again with the prospect of hundreds of thousands of Americans dying, this time from an unseen disease, some people in this country chose to rebel. Democratic governors across the United States instituted lockdowns and stay-at-home orders earlier this year to stop the spread of the novel coronavirus that had already killed thousands around the world. Those orders profoundly changed the way of life for many in this country. Protests funded and backed by conservative interests sprang up, including at the state capitol in Lansing. At one of those protests in May... Armed people used their constitutional rights to complain about what they saw as overreach by Governor Whitmer. They objected to government-mandated lockdowns and most rules governing the pandemic. With violent and misogynistic rhetoric increasing in Facebook groups, several men armed with assault rifles entered the state Senate chamber and stood over a session. Later, there was a call to ban guns inside the Capitol. Republican Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky said that would be cowardly and essentially brushed off the violent rhetoric of conservative militia groups. We are listening to the many, many voices who are questioning our governor and the one-size-fits-all, heavy-handed, blunt-form instrument of government that has been used to stifle our ability to make progress from living in fear toward learning to live with this insidious virus. Shirky did not object to armed white men watching the senator's work in the chamber. Some of his colleagues reacted differently. At the time, Democratic State Senator Mallory McMorrow said she felt uncomfortable going to work. I'd be lying if I said I was, felt completely safe. And I know that that is the goal, right? When somebody comes dressed in full tactical gear carrying rifles, you know, I, I don't see what the goal is besides intimidation. And now, the seeds sown in the early days of the pandemic have borne fruit. Members of this conspiracy on two occasions conducted coordinated surveillance on the governor's vacation home. Fox and Croft, in particular, according to the complaint, discussed detonating explosive devices to divert police from the area of the home. And Fox even inspected the underside of a Michigan highway bridge for places to seat an explosive. That's U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Michigan, Andrew Burge, speaking at a news conference yesterday. Six people have been charged in federal court with plotting to kidnap Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer and leave havoc in their wake. The group wants her tried for treason. They aren't alone. Attorney General Dana Nessel says seven more men affiliated with the militia group Wolverine Watchmen face state terrorism charges. 
The individuals in custody are suspected to have attempted to identify the home addresses of law enforcement officers in order to target them, made threats of violence intended to instigate a civil war, and engaged in planning and training for an operation to attack the Capitol building of Michigan and to kidnap government officials, including the governor of Michigan. Turns out three men arrested on Wednesday as part of the domestic terror plot carried rifles into the Senate chamber back in May. President Trump has not done an awful lot to help that situation. And I say, Mike, don't call the governor of Washington. You're wasting your time with him. Don't call the woman in Michigan. Well, it doesn't make any difference what happens. The governor of Washington? No, you know what I say? If they don't treat you right, I don't call. After Governor Whitmer criticized federal pandemic response, the president slowed down the response to the coronavirus by seemingly play favorites with supplies, ventilators, and personal protective equipment. After a rally at the Capitol in April, Mr. Trump tweeted, Liberate Michigan. Speaking yesterday after news of the plots against her was revealed, Whitmer went after Trump once again for failing to denounce right-wing militia groups in last week's presidential debate. She says violent bigots will find no quarter in this state. So let me say this loud and clear. Hatred, bigotry, and violence have no place in the great state of Michigan. If you break the law or conspire to commit heinous acts of violence against anyone, we will find you, we will hold you accountable, and we will bring you to justice. On a Fox News entertainment program last night, Trump again failed to denounce militia groups or white supremacists but did go after Governor Whitmer. But the left has been the problem for a long time. Antifa is a big, big problem. And, you know, I see Whitmer today, she's complaining, but it was our Justice Department that arrested the people that she was complaining about. It was my Justice Department that arrested them. But instead, she goes and does her little political act, and she keeps her state closed. Just this morning, the Michigan State Capitol Commission, the unelected body that oversees the Capitol building, reiterated that they would like the state's Republican-led legislature to pass bills preventing guns within the Capitol. According to Dave Eggert of the Associated Press, Senate Majority Leader Shirky says there are further conversations to be had, but banning guns would not, quote, get rid of all risk. Wednesday, the FBI raided a property in Heartland Township in Livingston County. That property later turned out to be linked to one of the men charged with conspiracy to kidnap the governor, Ty Garbin. WDET reporter Eli Newman went to Garbin's home yesterday and talked to nearby residents. Eli, good morning. Good morning, Russ. So set things up for me. Uh, We have seen these gentlemen who are charged all across uh, the lower peninsula of Michigan. One man was from Delaware. Attorney General Dan Nessel says this is the tip of the iceberg. What did you find in Heartland Township yesterday? Right, so by the time that I got to uh, Ty Garbin's house, already uh, there was a pretty robust media presence. So Wednesday night, there was a fairly robust law enforcement response to apprehending a Garbin at his home. Um and it was a fairly um, chaotic scene, I, I would say, for the neighbors that were living nearby. This was a, a fairly residential neighborhood. Um, as I was there, I saw a lot of kids playing in the street, coming out of school. Um, I actually spoke with uh, 
a girl who lived on the street. Her name's Ariana Marola. She's eight years old, and she uh, describes the scene, uh, what it was like uh, Wednesday evening. At first, I just saw the police, so I'm like, it must just be um, a crime or something. So I didn't pay much attention until Mom said there was a tank, and I looked down, and there was a bunch of Army people and all of this, and then I got really concerned. So... um as Ariana was explaining, um, first the Michigan, uh, as witnesses told me, the Michigan State Police uh, kind of quartered off the area around Garbin's house, and then military personnel came and followed. Um, Ariana's mother, Melissa, um, actually kind of watched uh, from that perimeter to see what exactly they were doing. They were bringing out, car- wheeling out carts, and it looked like, like lab equipment, so that's why we were honestly thinking drugs. But apparently, I don't know what they're saying on the news, is they were building explosives, which it could have been, because it did look like laboratory stuff coming in and out. They were taking the vents off of the bottom of the house, like looking to see if things were all stashed and stored under the house. Yeah, so needless to say, uh, residents in that neighborhood were really surprised to hear um, that this individual, Ty Garbin, was part of this conspiracy to uh, kidnap Governor Whitmer and um, spoke with n- other neighbors that actually lived next door to um, Mr. Garbin. And uh, there was uh, he was a fairly new resident to the neighborhood, had been living there for less than a year, um, and as far as I could tell, had very little relationship with those who were living close to him. Yeah, we hear that a lot following major incidents of raids or an act of violence, you know, where the police go into a neighborhood and, you know, we often hear in the media, you know, from the media, oh, well, he seemed like a nice guy. We didn't, you know, uh, he was fairly quiet, things like that. Uh, since he was new into the neighborhood, I guess, you know, neighbors are able to really get a good gauge on who Ty Garvin was. Yeah, the, the, um, I spoke with a, a, a next-door neighbor who was saying that, you know, she's only been there for a year, so there. And even though they were next door neighbors, their you know conversations were really sparse. I think she recounted one time where another individual who was also living at that house, her dog kind of got into the the other person's yard, and so they kind of got into a, a spat about that. But very very little interaction. In fact, I think the only thing that people really could tell me that they knew about him is that he was an Ohio State fan because he had a little um, pendant on his front yard. But very little was known about him by his next door neighbors. That itself is a provocation for many here in Michigan. Uh, You know, we've seen how far reaching these are. People, you know, uh, arrests made in Belleville and then uh, the state terror cases. uh, People arraigned up in Antrim County up near Kalkaska and Traverse City. So this seems fairly far-reaching. You wonder how many people in other neighborhoods around the state are kind of scratching their head wondering what the deal was with those neighbors as well. Yeah, I I think I I need to reiterate the fact that this was a very residential neighborhood. This wasn't a rural cabin, a log cabin in the middle of the woods. Um, Very close proximity to other people. Um, I I think as you read these criminal complaints, that uh, was released and uh, what we're seeing um, with the charges at the state level is that a lot of these people are are meeting online. And so when you're using Facebook and these other kind of social media platforms to um, kind of do these kinds of consp- conspire and do these kind of plots, um, 
it, it does become delocalized and there is uh, it is far ranging of who kind of gets attracted to that kind of messaging. Yeah, you've got a, a situation where four guys were supposed to be meeting on Wednesday night and then the arrest came. Long gone are the days where you had to have, you know, maybe some quiet pamphlets passed out uh, to people in secrecy or a random flyer on a telephone pole. And that's kind of one of the things that we'll talk about coming up next. We'll talk with the author of the book, Right in Michigan's Grassroots. And we'll be going and talking about political violence in America and in Michigan. Plus, we will take your calls at 313-577-1019. WDET reporter Eli Newman, thanks a lot. Thank you, Russ. We'll be back.